Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 150th episode of Real Hawk Talk. Feels good to say that. Uh, this is Brian Nenhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And here for our customary show, this is not an emergency pod, although it could have been because the Seahawks decided, as usual, to uh, coordinate some of their news drops with our shows because they know. One good thing deserves another. Um, we will talk about some Seahawks news today, as we always do. Before we get into all that good stuff, let me welcome in the crew. And um, first, let's welcome back, you know, at least for tonight, a fan favorite and a fan like villain, depending on who you talk to. But certainly. Are we sure the listens of this show, of this podcast, didn't spike? in my absence or are we sure about that you know there's you're in marketing right so you know about segmentation right there, there, there's there's very likely segments that spiked um and there's i can also tell you there's almost certainly segments that uh dropped a lot of people asking at you evan uh last two episodes wanting to know you know how you're doing what's going on uh what you think of all the seahawks news um so we will be happy to, uh, you know, catch up with you a little bit. Um, at Evan in SEA, uh, good to see you, dude. Next, uh, you know, there's been in our little um, four square, uh, Hollywood square style show, there's always been one who just needed to do her own thing. Like she, she had her own brand, you know, she comes with, uh, a lot of credibility and she wasn't quite sure she was ready to truly affiliate herself with this crew. And, and tonight Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG is flashing the real Hawk talk background. We are so excited to have you in all forms um, uh, with the, the team. How are you doing, Dana? I am good. New computer and all. So now I can finally match everybody else, not stick out like a sore thumb anymore. But um, yeah, I'm glad Evan's here. I got so many people saying, hey, Dana, can you ask Evan? Hey, Dana, what does Evan think? It's like That actually makes me feel really wanted. So (laughs) that makes me feel special. You know, I'm going to take that. I'm going to receive that compliment. Totally true. I will send you all the tweets of people telling me to talk to you. So I'm glad that he's back. Um, And of course, you know, I'm glad with the news today, but we'll get to that. Um, I will tell you the chat is uh, full of Evan love. Um, Yes, Evan's back. Uh, (laughs) Just for tonight. I think I'm going to stay off Twitter for a little bit longer. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, uh, also got... um, 
someone who's equally excited about Dana having her background. So <laughs> there are very invested Real Hawk Talk watchers, and we love all of you for being here. Uh, appreciate appreciate you showing up. Um, last but certainly not least, our Canadian flavor, uh, uh, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Uh, I was talking to uh, Paul Gallant today. I was on his little podcast, and he brought up the like we were talking about the show where we started. It's crazy that we're at 150 now. So yeah. we've been powering through these shows lately because the Seahawks off season's been pretty nuts. It's nuts. It's like... been nuts. Like I was telling Paul today, um, like going into this off season to me, this had the potential of just like the bottom falling out, where they had so many holes with such little space, and with the whole Russell thing hanging over them. To me, if things went wrong. This whole thing, the bottom just could have fallen out on this. What the Rams and 49ers are doing. I've been really impressed from top to bottom with Matt Thomas, the whole organization. We're going to get into it later, but man, it's been fun to talk about these shows just day and day again. Like the Seahawks, everyone's like, they're cheap. They're, they don't do this. Almost every day we're getting news now. It's pretty incredible. Dana, I know you're used to the unbridled optimism of this crew, like all positive. Um, Always. I- how are, is it too much for you? Um, all this positivity? No, I got a warning. I don't know if you guys remember that in our chat, but right after the Super Bowl, I was told, and I can't even remember who told me this, said, Dana, don't you worry. The off season is coming and we are all, told, <laughs> everyone's like, we're all so different during the off season. And then free agency hit and you guys were all like, like <laughs> so grumpy. I'm like, when does that fun start? But honestly, I think, I think it has been a lot of fun. I, I like to see smiles on your faces. Even Nathan has very little to complain about, which is huge. Right. So it's, um, it's been fun. I actually kind of like that Seattle has played the slow game in free agency. I think it's been a little more fun. I know it wasn't, you know, the big splashes and the thing that people get those first couple of days, but it's true every day we get a little nugget, a little nugget every single day. So it's given us something to kind of really focus on and, and be excited about. Yeah. And um, I do want to, since I, I told you about the love for both Dana and Evan in the chat, uh, we also have Jeff is the best. Hopefully he gets enough time to talk tonight. Oh, uh, people have been telling me that a lot lately. Folks, yeah. he's Canadian. He, 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 like the chances that he's going to speak up, you know, like we have to move the border for him to feel comfortable, like <laughs> stepping up into this. So, you know, yes, yes. We will make sure so, that Jeff, Jeff talks. I've um, been on a couple one-on-one shows lately and I've been very opinionated and louder and everyone's like, well, why aren't you like that normally? I'm like, well, last time I was on here, Evan was screaming at me for 14 minutes. <laughs> and I don't know. It's harder when there's four of us. I, want, I like hearing people talk. Is that bad? No, it's not bad at all. And uh, uh, it's, it's great to have uh, everyone's points of view covered here. Evan, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to hear much about the Tyler Lockett extension um you know yeah fill me fill me in on uh i know it's like 17 something per year um it sounds like i may be off but it sounds like it's it's an addition to the current year that he has on his contract right so yeah 325 i think is what it is now got it okay so 2021 was the last year of his deal his current Mm -hmm. deal and then four years on top of that Mm -hmm. um do we know Anything else at all? Uh, there's no void years. It's a true four-year extension uh, that's tacked uh, onto the this one remaining year. So he's under contract through 2025. Yeah. Um, uh, they've been doing a lot of void years, so that's, I think, of note. Um, and for those keeping track at home, that it will expect it to drop his 2021 cap number from $14.95 million to $7 million um as part of this deal so that makes me think the signing bonus is like right in that 25 million dollar mark because if if so they dropped his cap hit from 14 to 7 so that's a total of five years it's basically a five-year new contract that he signed 25 million dollar signing bonus five million dollars per year so where does that seven million come from in 2021 you gotta think it's like 
the minimum vet base salary for, for his age. And, uh, you know, what's the word? It's like tenured seasons or something. Um, so it could, it could very easily be like a $25 million signing bonus and, you know, like a $2 million base salary for, for 2021 to get that 7 million number for this year. Yeah. So does anybody off the top know where this puts the Seahawks in terms of cap space? Um, has, has anyone done the math yet? I think Derek looked at it um, in our chat and I think at, it was a little confusing. It was like they were before the locket extension and before they were counting Dunlap and Woods, Al Woods, they were like minus 1.8 million or something is what he said. And so with Tyler, it brought it up to like 6 million or right at 7 million, but they hadn't counted Dunlap or Woods yet. So I think that we don't quite have those exact numbers yet. So the question I have is, did we get like the contract structures of Dunlap and Hyder? Because yeah. if we don't- Hyder, we, Hyder, we did. We didn't Hyder, we did? Dunlap yet. Okay. Gabe Jackson, there's been reports on, but I don't know if we've seen- I think I around they were all million. around like- Three million bucks cap hit yeah. this year. Hiders oh was, was, was under two million. Hiders is, <laughs> I think he qualifies for the vet that like uh, salary cap benefit thing for veterans. Yeah. He's a one point one million dollar cap hit this year. Insane <laughs> for eight point five sacks last year. Insane. It's it's really hard. I was telling Brian this just before the show began. Um, it's really hard not to be completely impressed and ecstatic with the way things have gone the past two weeks. And the one thing I want to call out and I won't go too far into this rabbit hole is their use of void years is very, it's a bigger, I I feel like it's a bigger story than it currently is being made out to be. Um, See the way the Seahawks do business is they are very rigid. They are very, they stick to their plan. If a player is not, you know, gets more in free agency than the number internally that they've pegged for him, then, you know, he's going to leave, you know, they don't typically do super creative things from a cap perspective. They hate restructuring contracts. The only two contract restructures I can think of in the past decade under this regime are Doug Baldwin once where they did a little bit of money. And I think Marshawn Lynch, they, you know, brought like 500K over from a future year into a current year. The Seahawks have done this void maneuvering a total of zero times before this offseason. In the past nine years, whatever it's been, 10 years, nine years, a total of zero times until this offseason when they've done it. I haven't been following how many times, like four, five, six, Seven, like this is a clear change in behavior. Um, you know, we could talk about whether it's the most healthy cap thing to do long term, and that's a different discussion. But there's a very clear s- sort of change in strategy here, behavior from a cap perspective. This is notable. This is what, what do you what do you what do you think it means? Like, what what is your takeaway from it? Like, you totally right. New thing. What's your interpretation about why? What are they? Why are they doing it? I think it's two things. Um, they, I think they think their window is the next two to three years, mm-hmm. and and they don't know what this team is going to look like in two to three years. Uh, I don't know if Pete Carroll's here in two to three years. I don't know if Russell Wilson is here in two to three years. Frankly, Bobby Wagner. I don't. I don't know if Bobby Wagner is think- like like for all the crazy shit around the Russell Wilson trade talks. Like I think there's a separate discussion around whether or not he has signed his last contract in Seattle. And I think that's a very real, not like clickbaity discussion that needs to be, needs to happen at some point. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's much fair. I I think it's acknowledging the reality that their Super Bowl window is the next two to three years. And we don't know. There are absolutely zero assurances beyond even really two years. I think it's a couple more things. I think that is right. I think the cap going down and them having limited resources with limited draft picks meant they have more players they had to add. So they had to get creative. They had just too many holes with they had to give away a draft pick to get Gabe Jackson. And really they had the thing that I mentioned before is this offseason had the potential to be disastrous. 
one, if they sign Shaquille Griffin, they don't have the ability to do all these things. And they had the thing that scared me about this offseason after the Dunlap cut is you looked at that team, they had like 17 million a cap room. They needed two defensive ends, two offensive linemen, a running back, a receiver, a tight end, and a cornerback. And you're like, how the fuck are these guys going to do this? Nathan didn't yeah. shit on Chris Carson's contract, did he? No. no. It, was no. A, it was a really hard. It was a really hard. Okay. It was okay. really hard. Like every time there was new information that came out about the contract and lowered the impact, like the, the where he ended up was, yeah, but I hate that it's a two-year deal. Yeah. Like that's, that's like, that's what he's sticking to. Um, I mean, not... He's making less than Leonard Fournette this year. <laughs> I mean, like the Seahawks could easily, and they could easily cut him next year. Right. Like they are in no way committed to him beyond year one. Oh, it's a, like when we were all saying, oh my God, the worst thing they could do would be to sign Chris Carson. We were all talking about them signing him for like eight to, you know, eight maybe even 10. 10 million. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> not three. <laughs> like that's an easy call. Like that's a pretty easy call. So, um, so yeah, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Well, I was going to say a couple things. So I, like, I, it's weird because when I talk to you guys, I get the same, same idea. We're all seem to be on the same page with us. I was talking to a buddy in Toronto. He claims he listens to our show. I don't, I don't know if I believe him. He's a radio host in Toronto. He's like a pretty big, like he's sports radio brain. So he's got a lot of takes and he texted me the other day, like after the Niners made this trade, just being like, the Seahawks have had the worst off season in the NFL. And I was just like, what? Like, and he just went on to talk about how like they've added no impact players to the same team as last year. They, the, the third best team in the division. Like, I don't know if there's takes are going around out there. And, and then I'm like, well, they've added this guy, this guy, this guy. And like, I went through every contract. It's like, none of those players are good. And I was just like, are these takes actually happening right now? He's not. They alone. are. Dana, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, they are. So I, I, because I have such an interesting mix on my, on my Twitter, um, especially in the, um, and, and the NFC West. So it's interesting. The Rams fans think they have one. They have this division locked down. There's no question in their mind. Matt Stafford is the savior. He is going to take them to the Super Bowl. No question. I love that energy. I say good for them. And we just move on to the next conversation. Cause then you go to the Arizona Cardinal fans and they're like, Oh, JJ, what? And this, and that person, and all the people we've added, we are going to be Kings of this division. And then you get San Francisco people coming in and they're like, Oh no, we're getting a rookie quarterback. It's going to be a whole, you know, um, a new, a new feeling, a new era. That's what it is. The new era in San Francisco. And so when I start to look outside, there's not a lot of pop people talking about Seattle. What they do talk about, even Mike Sando just did this the other day is, well, where's Russell Wilson going to go next year? Since it didn't happen this year, all they can keep bringing up in Seattle is the fact that, you know, Russell Wilson is halfway out the door and that's it. They haven't really talked about anything else. The only thing I've seen really discussed at all is bringing Dunlap back. I think most people saw that as a really good thing. Um, But outside of the fan base, if you look at the four teams in the division, Seattle is not the team they're talking about. And actually I am totally okay with that. I I don't mind that at all. Yeah. I think it's fair if you, even if you think they're the third best team in the division right now, but to me, if you look at the context of their off season, to me, it has to be looked at a different scale. To me, the whole offseason was they had super limited resources with a ton of needs. After cutting Dunlap, their roster looked kind of bleak. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they were able to make fit in all of these contracts, and you have to look at each one, like Gabe Jackson for $4 million. So we were all like, shit, they missed on Zeitler. I think Gabe ends up almost half of Zeitler. Like, I don't know where Zeitler ended up cap-wise. You look at that. Chris Carson's cap hit is not much different than Carlos Hyde. I just looked up Carlos Hyde. Remind me what the Jackson contract ended up being. I just, I, I think Bob and Mike Duger said it, the, the hit is just over 4 million bucks. Mm-hmm. Do they, do they know the contract though? Because no. I, I don't think we know yet. No, I think we know that it's, he had two years left. The two years have been replaced with new money and the third year was added. No void years. Right. Well, and then you look at Carson, Carson, two and a half million dollars. Like we were all terrified of the Carson signing. 
and he's being paid less than Rashad Penny. But I think we need to make it clear. We were only afraid of the Chris Carson signing because of the dollar sign we thought would be attached to it. That's what I'm kind of saying. Like, yeah, Gerald Everett, like Jonu Smith went for like $11 million. And yes, Jonu Smith is definitely a better player than Gerald Everett. But Gerald Everett's stats, if you look at him and Jonu Smith's stats last year, they're not that different. And I would rather, everything being equal, have Jonu Smith. But in terms of value, like these are good signings with upside. Like I don't see... Any is, downside in these moves? It, I've seen this come up as well, and it's just total horseshit. So it, let me let me tell you a bunch of reasons why. First of all, any team that makes big splash signings in free agency sucked last year, and likely will suck afterwards. Like th- there are so few big splash signings that ever ever end up returning on investment. In fact, if anything, I would say there's more than a fifty percent chance that you deeply regret a big splash signing from something else that you need to do or wish you could do. So like one of the best things, this is what a lot of people don't get. One of the best like hallmarks of a good free agency is not overspending on guys and letting guys walk that are commanded. Like that's a huge thing. You talked about Shaquille Griffin, you know, like that was huge. They they could have overspent on all sorts of guys and they didn't do it. So I think that's a big deal. Um, then the other piece is everyone like focuses on flash moves with the other teams, but they, they're not focusing on who they're losing. So mm-hmm. like the Rams, the Rams lost what I would say is either the best safety in football or close to the best safety in football in John Johnson. They lost Troy Hill, who was one of the best slot corners in the NFL last year. They lost their center. They lost Morgan Fox. They lost Josh Reynolds. They lost Gerald Everett. Like there's not a single player the Seahawks have lost that I, well, you could say Shaquille Griffin. I feel like they've replaced anyone that they've lost with at least a player that has the potential to be similar to that player. There's not a clear, like downgrade in talent at one of those positions from my perspective. And this is the other thing. The Seahawks were the best offense in the division last year. And it wasn't close. Even when they were struggling, they were still the best offense in the division. Mm -hmm. They got better. There's no way you can say they haven't got better. And I still think they're going to add a third receiver. And so, and I, and I'm still hoping that they draft a center. Um, and if they do like offenses is, is, has everything. And they got a new offensive coordinator, which also isn't a free agency move, but if they had just had a better offensive coordinator last year, who knows how much better they would have been just last year. So like the Seahawks offense is like already good and has every reason to believe they should be better, and were already the best in the division. Their defense by the end of last year was the second best in the division. The way they were performing, they were the second best defense in the in the division. And I think the question there is, did the defense get better? And I don't think we know that for sure yet. Like, um, they were a mess at cornerback to start the year. DJ Reed, I think we feel good about. I feel really good about Akilah Witherspoon. Um, I feel good about what Marquise Blair can look like coming back. Right. So like there's a few, there's a few people, Ugo Mott, like there's a guys in there. I think the defensive line is better than it was last year. They have considerably more pass rushers. Jeff, you and I went through this last time. They have like six pass rushers. They're not, it's a good chance. Benson Mayo won't even make the roster. Right. They're doing to the pass rush this year. What we wish they did last exactly. year. <laughs> like, exactly. Like just a year late, but We'll take it. If I'm being like super, super critical, I would say, okay, linebacker. I don't want Cody Barton starting. Like figure that out somehow. But even there, I would rather them sign a wide receiver three like Golden Tate than sign KJ Wright. If, if it one or the other, and I want to know from each of you, one or the other, KJ Wright or Golden Tate. You can pick a different receiver if you want that's out there. But which, which would you be happier to hear the Seahawks sign? And, and Dana, I'm going to start with you. KJ. Why? Because, I mean, I don't like to say bad things about Golden Tate because he was very nice to me when I randomly bumped into him at a, at a music festival. But I, d- I just don't think that's the direction. I think they need to go youth with the wide receiver. I think that they should draft one or maybe look for someone younger. So, And I think KJ, there's just that click with KJ and Bobby that I think they just work so well together. I think that would be the bigger impact. So I'm going to go with KJ. Jeff. 
It's a complicated question because I think KJ is a far better player at this point than Golden Tate is. I don't even think it's close. But I'm going to go Golden Tate because I think it alleviates one of my biggest fears with this team right now, which is Antonio Brown. Fair. That's fair. The longer he sits out there and Tampa starts moving in different directions, the more I think this might happen. And KJ, I think KJ is great. It, it depends on the price, obviously, but I think it would still cost quite a bit to sign him. I don't think Golden Tate would cost much at all. And I think that I want to see Jordan Brooks playing more, and I don't think it makes sense to put more money into the linebacker position. I keep seeing that, but Jordan, Jordan Brooks started last year. He's not going to get more snaps with KJ being gone. Like, he was already a starter. I mean, well, yes, maybe he'll get more nickel snaps potentially. Yeah, but that's, that's my point. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm. I think I'm gonna go with Golden Tate mainly due to cost. I think KJ was excellent last year, but I KJ is he, it's it's tough because he played so well last year and he had like the best year of his career. But he's also a player I could see if you pay him a little too much, you might regret it in a year or two. Um, it's just not where they should be spending money. In my opinion, I, do you think they would have to pay him so much? I would think that if someone was going to pay him more than what you know, Seattle has given him an offer and said, "Here, this is what we're willing to pay you. Let us yeah. know if we're coming back." You know, and so if another team had done that, wouldn't he already be signed? That's what I'm starting. Oh no, to I. That's a fair point. The, the um, longer he sits there, the more I'm wondering if he's like, is it worth? uprooting everything for one to two seasons and go play with Dallas was the last team we heard him talking to. Right. Or do I take this from Seattle? I just, I don't know that that market's out there for KJ. Like KJ, but the Seahawks offer has almost certainly dropped. Oh, I'm sure it has at this point. You're well, right. What about Sherm? Well, that's, hey, what do you want? One. That, that's, I mean, I, I still think that's a. Dana's like blank check. Right. Oh, All right. right. So, gone. Like, so much, so much for the we need to go youth perspective. Blank check, Richard. Well, for Sherman. sure, me. <laughs> <laughs> off, uh, First of all, how have you never fascinating about this, Jeff? Is that there are people every time we talk about Sherman, they're like, he's, he's old, he's washed up, mm-hmm. he's injured. Have no, they like, watched him play football? I'm, I'm telling you, dude. Like, <laughs> like, don't sign him. He's a, and, you know, for my, it is not even close. You sign him. He has the biggest impact of any of those three. I didn't bring him up because I think he's, you know, potentially less likely than those other two, but you know, to me, it's a no brainer, Jeff. Like he's still sitting there. Like either he's waiting for something or he's just being very selective or the longer he sits out there, the more it's like, well, they're clearing out all this money. Well, so yeah. Um, well, there it's it's very clear. It's very clear they're clearing that money for Jadavian Clowney returning very soon. <laughs> you do not need that's that's the pending move that we're all very ecstatic. <laughs> so, Evan, are you gonna be you gonna to stand for Jadavian Clowney every off season? Uh, I I think, and I've said this before on this podcast, his value is so low right now that it makes sense to take a flyer on him, even a one-year flyer. Like, I'm not saying like 75 defensive ends. Fuck it, make it 76. Who cares? Why not? (laughs) His cost is going to be so low, Brian. Anyone had like a flip in their value quicker? I don't like, think you so. were like pay him 20 million. Like he's like, no, I, I want 18 million. Now he's what worth like 3 million in a year. Maybe. It's just because he can't stay on the field. And we all know that. It's gotta he be just... one of the craziest falls in value I've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, is, it is a, it is going to be a lesson that, that agents show as a case study of how not to handle was, your offseason. season. You a 20 million turned down $19 million from the Browns last year. Oh my God. They had him in for a visit and told him to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I, can I ask Evan a quick question? Oh boy. That, that concerns me. The phrasing you, of that. We haven't heard much from you since Jaron um, ended up leaving the team and going to the chiefs. Yeah. I'd, li- I'd like to get your reaction to Jaron Reed no longer being on this team. Good riddance. Um, uh, I, I think uh, 
from uh, from an off the field perspective, he has very clear concerning behavioral patterns. Um, but on the field, I think uh, I just don't think his play or his talent is just you know justified that that salary that he was going to make this year. It was going to be like a fourteen point five cap hit. Yeah, I just can't. Like even the Jaron Reed defenders can't can't defend that contract, especially not in this year. Especially when you see like who, the money that they freed up for him and what they did with it. It's just it made no sense to retain. Right. It. Well, don't tell Chiefs fans that they think that they won the lottery. But I will say this: I, I have a couple Chiefs fans that I work with, and I did work today um, at the hospital, and and one of them came up to me and they said, "Okay, so what's wrong with Reed?" And I said, <laughs> "What?" They're like, "No, no, no, no. Seattle just doesn't cut players for no reason. What's wrong with him?" And I was like, you are smarter than you look, <laughs> but Chiefs fans are pretty excited to have him. I think it's interesting that he and Frank Clark ended up in the same spot, but um, you know, I, I'm glad I knew he would get picked up quickly by a team. And, and I will tell you, I got really irritated. I got called a social justice warrior, someone on there. Cause I told, I replied to his, you know, thanking the 12s. And I said, thank you for your work. I always say that. Right. Cause I always say these players for their work. I, they do work very hard. And someone's like, aren't you, you know, a social justice warrior for the anti-domestic violence, blah, blah, blah. A, I'm not a social justice warrior, but I will say that thanking someone for their work on the field is different than, you know, cheering on Antonio Brown. (laughs) So I just want to make that very clear. But at the same time, I am a little relieved that, you know, that he is no longer on the team taking up all of that space, all of that money. Um, But I am, you know, glad that he landed somewhere, which we knew he would. We knew he would. Yeah. Well, and the other, the other half of that question for Evan is how do you feel about the Al Woods signing? Oh, fuck me up. When Jeff sent me that text, I thought you guys were joking with me. I was, I was pounding the table for him last year. I was like, bring that fucker back because he was legitimately good in 2019. Like I know, I know Brian has this vendetta against him because he got suspended in, in, you know, the last half of 2019 or whatever, but he's like legitimately good at, what he is required to do and for 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 the cost it just makes total sense so it's it's funny you say that because like i was talking to a guy and i'm like they're like well what have they done that's good this offseason and i was like well i named a bunch of things and i said (laughs) al woods and he started laughing hysterically he didn't play in 2020 either did he he sat out this is what i brian brought this up earlier like fringely isn't about making these big swings like it's the nba like i think nba breaks people's brains and how they evaluate this football teams are like a puzzle and every little piece does matter. And if you remember some of the worst Seahawks moments, like that Super Bowl, like going from Jeremy Lane to Therald Simon, oh. that was a mat. Like having players that can't play in your team is huge. Like when Joey Hunt had to play a couple of years ago, like if you said they have a shitty backup center and everyone would laugh at you, but having a guy like Al Woods who can step in play in base those guys are important. Like Cam mm-hmm. Akers is here. Like you remember what he did in the playoff game when they had to play Lattimore at defensive tackle, having a guy like Al Woods, these things do matter in football. And like every little piece, you, it's like a Jenga board. You take one thing out mm-hmm. and it can collapse quickly. So like, these well, are kind of signings that add up. It is. And it also allows you to narrow the focus of other players. So people are talking about L- LJ, LJ Collier is going to start at three tech now. And I'm like, no, I don't, think so he's not a base three tech but he did show promise as a pass rush rotational three tech and so now he can just be that and, and because you've got three guys in Alwood, Puna Ford and Ryan Monet who can play the middle and stuff stuff the run like a, as necessary and so the other piece of that move that I think people might be surprised at is Puna Ford started playing three tech last year uh, a little bit and did pretty well and so I think everyone's assuming like Puna is still going to be the nose and they're going to have someone else play three tech. I think it might be the other way around. I think you might have like a Monet be the nose and someone like Puna at three, three tech and Puna had a good year last year. He had a really good year and he might have, he might be ready to take the next step and put it all together next year. We don't, we don't know. That'd be what maybe his third year. I think. Yeah. Third. Yeah. So Look, I mean, I'm not blind. I don't know about you guys. I, I look around the division and I'm like, yep, Rams Rams improved um, with their quarterback by a huge margin. And that's a huge part of any team. They've still got the best player in the division, I would say, in Aaron Donald, because I think Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they still, you know, they still have those great cornerbacks. So like their defense is going to be good. Although I don't think it's going to be as good as it was before. Um, you've got an offense that, you know, should be better, but also like they lost their third, they lost Josh Reynolds. They have like their third receiver is not going to be the same. They've got, you know, uh, Van Jefferson who really didn't do anything last year after it looked like he was going to be pretty good. So I I don't think we know for sure exactly how great the Rams are going to be. The 49ers, it's a super talented team, but I don't think you can totally set aside losing Kendrick Bourne, losing Kerry Hyder, losing Tevin Coleman, losing Akella Witherspoon, um, Sherman. Ri- losing Richard Sherman, losing CJ Beathard. Like, let's be honest. But I mean, those are, those are some decent players. And to your point, Jeff, they might be not all like the frontline guys, but a lot of those played pretty important roles for that 49er team. And now you're talking about like, Mohamed Sanu is your third receiver. It's a little different than Kendrick Bourne. So like, anyway, and, and you still got Jimmy G. Uh, someone said on online, Jimmy G string uh, at quarterback. So, uh, you know, even with this trade, like now we know that the first round pick probably won't even play this year. And if he does, he's going to be a rookie quarterback. So, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm just not as, as, as far as Arizona goes, I still just that JJ Watt move is one of the worst of the off season. As far as I'm concerned for the price they paid. I mean, I think they've got to be thinking like, what the hell did we do? Um, they've made some, some decent moves, but I don't know. I, I just, I'm not quaking in my boots looking around the division saying, Oh my gosh, the Seahawks got totally overrun. Am I crazy? Or am I like totally homering this? Or what's, what are you guys seeing? No, I think that you, I think that you're pretty dead on. I think one thing that, people forget, um, or maybe they're newer fans. I don't know, but that, that Super Bowl run, you know, that Seattle, when they won, they went back to back the key to that entire group. If you go back and look at that roster was depth. Holy crap. They had so much depth. Someone got hurt. They could step in. You could move around, move everybody here, rotate players. And that was truly one of the major keys to their success, obviously. Right. But I think when you look at teams who spend a lot in free agency or make all kinds of moves in free agency, it's oftentimes, I don't want to say out of desperation, but out of trying to capture lightning in a bottle, right? Like right now, this is what we need. And I'm not saying that the players that all those teams have picked up won't make an impact. They will. They would, they're, they, a lot of them were impact players. But a lot of times it's the teams, as much as no one wants to be compared to Green Bay, that's a perfect example, you know, over the years, the Patriots until this year, those teams who are perennial, constantly there, always kind of in the mix, don't traditionally make huge moves in free agency. And so I think that that is something that as Seahawks fans, even though I read all over online, oh, Seahawks fans are going to talk themselves into this. They're going to think that this is a good thing. But at the same time, I think that's one thing that Seahawks fans can really kind of take to heart is that they didn't need to make huge giant moves. They needed to fill holes with good quality players. And that's what they've done. Let the other people waste their money and make splash. That's fine. What we were looking for here is depth and and those key few pieces that were missing. And I think they did it. I think they did it. I think you got to look at it in two different ways. I think in the context of what they had available, and I keep saying this, they had very limited resources and a lot of roster holes they had to fill. So in the context of their off season, I think they did as well as they could have. I really do. And you have to isolate the moves like that. You can't just say, where are they compared to everyone else? I think if you look at the NFL or they look at the NFL in, in whole, and Dana kind of touched on this, the hardest thing in the salary cap era is going from good to great. And what happens is a lot of teams will have these rookie contracts with quarterbacks and they stack the rest of their roster and then they get great again. But once they have to pay the quarterback, the whole roster shifts mm-hmm. and they move down to good. And that's what happened with Green Bay, with Aaron Rodgers. It's what's going on with the Steelers right now. It's sort of where the Seahawks have been the last four years. The hardest thing in the NFL, the Saints, after those seven and nine years, they would do the same thing. The hardest thing is once you get back down to good, how do you get back up to great? We really haven't seen many examples of that. I can't think of any. New England is a total outlier Mm -hmm. because of how bad their division was, how much little money Brady took, 
how Belichick was able to get all these players, these shit players into value, like Kyle Van Noy, somehow turned into like a $20 million player. But if you look around the NFL, they're just – how about the Rams? Two years ago, the Rams in 2017 and 18 were the best roster in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They were great. They paid Jared Goff. They made a couple moves, and they instantly went down to that 10, 11, good air. So how do you get back to great? All these teams are trying to figure it out. And I think you look at Seattle, you look at the Rams, they're sort of in the same spot. They're trying to get back up there. And these little roster tweaks in the draft are really the only ways you can do it. And the Niners are trying to reset their clock with a rookie quarterback because they, they realized they're, they were basically tapped out. So they're resetting their clock. They're trying to revisit their whole thing and they're going to try to run with the rookie quarterback. But really all you can't look at the Seahawks. Like you look at a team who has like a KC, they're near the end of their window and they're going to have to go through this cycle as well. And you saw, you see the holes in their team starting to fill out. Like they don't have any offensive tackles right now. I'm looking at Super Bowl odds. Ryan, you have a beard. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You missed that last week. (laughs) What the hell? Yeah. It looks good, man. Keep it. Thank you, dude. Super Bowl odds. I love it. I love what I'm seeing here. First of all, odds on favorite. Guesses? Tampa. Tampa. Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs. Chiefs are the odds on favorite. Then Tampa. They're pretty even. Then a pretty big drop to Green Bay. And you know who is tied with Green Bay for the third most likely to win the Super Bowl by Super Bowl betting odds? They're an NFC West team. Which one? Arizona Cardinals. Go Rams. The Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> I really ben. think Stafford is going to. Oh, they are set up for disappointment. I love, <laughs> I love it. To jump on the hot, hot thing, and the hot thing is they traded for a quarterback. They're that's a sucker's bet. That is, has screamed sucker's bet. That's what Vegas loves. So that's third, basically third, tied for third, and then fourth. And then um, fifth is the Buffalo Bills, and tied with them for fifth most likely, based on Super Bowl odds, is another NFC West team. Which one is it? San Francisco. Correct. Wow. How do they work? Then it goes Baltimore, then Cleveland, Cleveland. Ahead of Seattle? Then Indianapolis. Then what? The Patriots, and then what? After the Patriots is another NFC West team. Which one? Got to be the Cardinals. Correct. <laughs> Arizona Cardinals. You're not and fucking with me? <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. And then the New Orleans Saints. And then finally, your Seattle Seahawks. Bring it on. Bring, Bring it, it on. on. Oh, it's time to put some money down. Oh, my. Well, I'm not going that far. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what's the return if you put like 100, 200 bucks down on that? I mean, you are telling me Cam Newton and the New England <laughs> Patriots are more likely to win the Super Bowl than Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Are you kidding? No, they're trying to attract the suckers who get hooked into those New England moves. If you read that list, though, read down that list. It's all the teams that made huge moves in free agency. I'm saying that's how they work. That's yeah, how they work. so they think, oh, we're going to, you know, all these fans think they're going to win because they got so-and-so player. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's, 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 they know. They know people's Don't behavior. bet, people. That's why you don't bet. They know Russell Wilson's being talked about, like he's getting traded. Yeah. So we're going to. Well, we, we now have the new like Jacksonville of the uh, NFL and like the just the whipping boy, which is apparently the Lions and the Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, can we spend a second? Just a second. I don't want to go too deep on it. This Deshaun Watson thing. Like crazy. I've not followed it closely. I've, I, I saw that there's an SI article I want to read where Did they you read talk- that. I did not. Can you can you can you give us a little bit of what, what was in there? Is it, is it not safe for for pod? It's very graphic. Okay. Very bad, graphic. bad news. So one of the masseuses on record gave her. So she was one of the. She did not do a, a lawsuit, but she gave a on record history of her when she gave Deshaun Watson a massage, and it was full of details. So basically he goes in there, 
She offers him a towel. He refuses. So eventually he starts excited, getting excited. Oh, I don't need to hear anymore. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay, there. we can stop right there. Stop right I mean, there. it's like you're reading it and it's just like, uh, um, I can't believe I wanted to trade for this guy. You know, I just, I was saying, like, I, I sucks, man. I, like, it sucks for the, for the women that were affected the most. Like, that, like, period. Also just sucks to have people you want to cheer for that you kind of like and that, this stuff comes out it's just well not. before this whole situation wouldn't we all agree that watson was like one of everybody's most favorite players in the league like Indeed. before this he was likable he was a good kid yeah good. and it's just the amount of women that have come forward it's you know the chances of of that being all false is just so incredibly unlikely it's it's 20 what women now yeah, it's, it's like a lot. this is bad In cases i think yeah i just what do you think happens with him now he said he wanted to not play in houston you can pretty sure that they don't want him to play in houston maybe at this point maybe. i don't know that houston owner is a piece of shit mm-hmm. like true he, the 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 houston media has been saying he'll never play again for the texans i've seen that a couple couple places like and so if that's the case like I don't know. Never I say know. never. Antonio Brown is still in the league. That's all I'm just going to keep saying. Not Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon's not in the league, but you know, these well, other people. Smoking are. weed is like, you know, much worse oh, than what we right. just started hearing Jeff talk about. But yeah, um, I almost think he's going to have to sit out a year at least. Like, is anyone going to play him this year? What do you guys think? I think the Niners striking on that trade was very interesting timing i think they realized that sean mm-hmm. watson's off the board right now mm-hmm. you know what makes it really interesting is uh the guarantees in his contract and if those are voidable uh you know pending a situation that may have happened i don't know if these were maybe you guys know if any of these situations or alleged encounters happened after he signed the contract. Do we know any of that at all or, or not? Yeah, that could, that could be a factor because it's like, you know, it, it just gets, it gets weird legally. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for all sorts of reasons, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a storyline for sure. You know what it's a staunch reminder of, and I'll, and I'll just, stop talking about this after this, but it's like, we look up to sports players so often as these like sort of idols of society. And many of them are really good people, like really, really good people do a lot of strong work in the community, but these people, you know, a lot of it can be facade. That's the reality. And they're not, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're humans. I'm not saying they're making like Deshaun Watson's making mistakes. It's a clear, you know, pattern of behavior, but these people are not gods. They're not, <laughs> you know, they're not they're perfect. Not moral gods. I, I, it's funny. Like you're right. But at the same time, I think I kind of grew up and, and became a sports fan kind of assuming they were all like that. <laughs> like, you know, super rich young guys who were just total womanizers. Like that was kind of my impression of like, and I've actually been more shocked by, as I've met like some of them, how down to earth and how like quality they are uh, as people. Like we've talked about it before, like there's a lot of press I've met that are way more arrogant and obnoxious and like out of touch than these multi-million dollar players with like unbelievable physical skills but you're right like rich people rich men uh you know especially young rich men well actually no not especially rich men (laughs) it's not great great track record man (laughs) they don't have a great track record so you know money fame power it changes people does yeah yeah all right um anything else that we should talk about tonight uh that i I have missed you never really got into tyler lockett yeah i wanted to talk about lockett and his production and his and his um 
and his contract, which I know we don't know super details about, but I was reading online a little bit about some people who were really not happy that this, this happened, that they really seem to think that Tyler Lockett was um, on his way out via trade or they were going to cut him or do something. Um, and I know we talked last week and, and Evan, you weren't here, but we talked last week about how they really couldn't, they didn't even have a third wide receiver, let alone get rid of their second one, you know? So, um, but I think that I, I was a little surprised and I don't know if you guys saw that, but just a little hints of backlash a little bit about this and and instantly they're like well they'll they'll cut him after two years and like they were already like down the road getting rid of him and i went so i went and looked at his stats why in god's name would you want to get rid of this kid why wouldn't you just be so thrilled that he's still you know on the team you know he's he he plays a very specific role in this offense and for russell wilson and he does it at an insanely high level And I think much like some other players that we've seen leave and haven't done as well on other teams, it's because sometimes that chemistry with Russell, especially with his receivers is real unique. And I just think Tyler has that in spades. So I am thrilled that he ended up getting this extension and I think he was worth every dime. I know others don't and the pushing it down the way and all that other stuff, but, but I think this was a great move from Seattle. I know it's one of the quietest record-breaking seasons in Seahawks history. Yeah. You guys remember he set the Seahawks receiving record last year? Yep. Like, yeah, I didn't remember that. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that had a perfect passer rating from Russell, you know, uh, not so long ago for a full season. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any of us are doubting that, that Tyler Lockett's good. And I don't think any of us are, like, doubting that, you know, or, unhappy to have him i think if anything there's just a question of like is this this is the best place to spend that money and um is this the right time to spend that money with his you know at his age and with some of the injuries that he's had uh the last couple seasons i think those are the questions i I kind of understand um you know my son my son texts me he's like are you happy about this move and i'm like i'm pretty indifferent to it like I'm, I'm totally happy to have Tyler Lockett on the team. Um, I'm glad that we freed up some cap space. I'm glad that the question's kind of over and we have some stability at that position. We have still a great receiving pair there, but I wouldn't have been upset if they had gone a different direction either. Like, I think that's where I'm at um, Hmm. with it. Evan, how about you? Yeah. I just think it's, uh, better to have Tyler Lockett on your team than $17.3 million in available cap space. Uh, cap space doesn't score touchdowns. So that's, I think that's what it boils down to me for, or, you know, to, for me is, you know, Tyler Lockett's a good, a really good player, really good with Russell Wilson, especially really good with DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. They paid market rate for him. I think it's a reasonable deal. I don't think Seattle got an excellent deal. I don't think Tyler Lockett got an excellent, excellent deal. I was telling Jeff this today. It just feels like a fair market value for him. And, uh, you know, it, it's a balanced deal and it's, it's hard to hate. I, I think this is uh, really from a guarantee perspective, probably a three-year deal with, with mm-hmm. uh, you know, two sort of fluff years on the back end if he's still productive. Just, that's just my guess off of the guarantees. But um, I have very little concern that, barring some catastrophic injury that he's going to, you know, suddenly decline in his skill or talent over the next two to three years. I, if I would bet the opposite, actually, I, I could see him getting even better. Frankly, I, I, I don't have it. I, I don't have, I don't have concerns with this deal. I really don't. Jeff, any last word on, on the Tyler Lockett situation? Yeah. I think everyone just had sticker shock when they saw the price and I think that's what happens in every other sport. And I thank Evan a lot for this, to be honest, like Evan's really helped me understand contracts. And I didn't really get that three, four years ago. And when I saw the guarantees were about half of the number that Schefter actually said, I'm like, okay, let's take a step back. I want to see what the real numbers look like. So a lot of people see the 17 APY and they're like, holy shit, he's a top 10 receiver paid. And that's shot some people into these opinions, I believe. So I think we have to take a step back, wait and see what the real contract looks like. Similar to what we did with Chris Carson. 
I think when you see the real numbers, you'll have a different opinion. Realistically, I think what Evan said is spot on. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. I think he's getting paid very fair for his services now. I, I I don't think it's a crazy contract for either side. And I don't think it's going to limit this team and how they build in the future. DK is going to get a crazy contract in the next couple of years. So this sort of sets the floor for it. But overall, I think it does a couple of things. And like, how much has Russell's tone changed in the last two weeks? Mm-hmm. Like, first he's celebrating rotational defensive linemen. And now he's, he's got Carson coming back, who he personally recruited. He's got Dunlap coming back. And now Tyler Lockett, who's, I remember when that SI came article, they're like, well, I'm not friends with Russell like Tyler Lockett is. So it's one of his best friends on the team. To so, give you. Additional perspective, just piggybacking on what Jeff said, Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks both make in the same ballpark within a million of what Tyler Lockett will on this new deal. Are you telling me you wouldn't prefer Tyler Lockett compared to those players? That's exactly who we have compared him to. Like, we, we <laughs> like, I'm, no, I'm just saying, like, to your point, it's a fair market deal, and, 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 uh, that's about the kind of player he is. Um, I, I want to ask one more question on this, uh, not on the Tyler thing before we go. 17-game schedule. That news came out. And that the Seahawks are be playing at Pittsburgh for the 17th game. Oh, really? Yes. Fuck the Steelers, man. I hate those guys. And you know who the 49ers are going to be playing for their 17th game? At Cincinnati. <laughs> so I put that out on Twitter today or yesterday and i got all this flame back of like that's just how it works what's your problem like cx finished first place and the 49ers finished four like i get that but do folks understand that like up until this year there were two games that two games out of 16 that that were different for everyone's schedule within a division otherwise you played 14 of the 16 games were the exact same um and now you have three games out of 17. And that sounds like, okay, what's the big deal? That's a significant difference when you've only got 17 games to play. It now means that the finishing first versus fourth is going to have more of an effect, I think, on seasons um, going forward. I don't personally like that. Like, I, I just would rather have, like, I'd rather have the best team win, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that having different, different, like uneven schedules is the best way to judge which is the best team. And so I was okay with two out of 16. I just don't like the, the, the third one adding back in, like, especially when you're in the toughest division in football, like that just bugs me. So that's my take on the whole thing. I'm personally not at all excited about a 17th game. I don't really care, but I don't like that. It's going to ruin all the records. I don't like that. It's like, you know, like every record, like a whole bunch of it. I just, there's no part of it that I'm excited about. Are you guys like, where are you at in the 17th game and, and this whole thing, you know, Jeff, you have any takes on this? I think that bothers me the most. is just like, when you talk about a team, what the record is, I'm still trouble like wrapping my head around this. Like I'm so used to like saying like, Oh, a team had a nine and seven record or a seven and like the, all our Jeff Fisher jokes are gone. Like now they're seven and 10 to me. Like this is going to take like a while for me to wrap my head around like a 12 and five season. Is that good? Or is a 13 and four? See, the whole thing is just weird. So I'm going through an adjustment phase on it. Realistically, like it was inevitable. Like we knew this was coming. It'll probably end up at 18 in the next couple of years. So like, I don't have strong takes on it. Like I just knew this was going to happen. And I, I don't think it's great. Like players are always beaten up by the end of the season anyway. Now you're making it harder on them. And the injury factor, we talk about how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl because of injuries. This only makes it harder. But yeah. like, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I cut you but off. Really, like that's my opinion. Like I don't love it, but unfortunately it just was inevitable, especially after the cap year. You knew they were going to try to find ways to make more money. Yeah, I, I do have a take on this. This is horrible. This is an extra week of Seahawks-related therapy that we all have to attend, an extra week of Seahawks-related trauma that we have to endure. This is bad. Like, the Seahawks are exhausting as it is. An extra week of them? I'm not sure I need another week of that abusive relationship every single year, frankly. Um, 
like that. I, I'm not sure I have the emotional bandwidth for yeah. it, but uh, here we are. It'll be forced upon us. Dana. So I, I have two points. Um, the first is um, I I posted this on Twitter today, but at the 2020 Pro Bowl, I asked, this was, was my, because really when you do the Pro Bowl scrum, you only get one question. And so this was the question I asked. And the question I asked was, you know, with them trying to change this, you know, how do you guys feel about this? <clears throat> and every single player I interviewed and Jason Kelsey at length for like 20 minutes, I'm not kidding, went off about how they need another bye week. They, that if they were going to do that, another bye week was the only way that they would truly survive it. Um, and then if they push it to 18, it was going to be even worse because that was a conversation at one point too. Um, and they didn't care about getting rid of preseason games. It was all about adding this because as both everyone has pointed out, your, their bodies are so beat up by the end of the season. Now we're going to add another game. So that brings me to my second point. Do we know that it'll be game 17 or just somewhere in the season, Seattle will have to play the Steelers. Because talk about no, we do not you know, know the last true. game is usually a rival, right? And so I think they'll stick with that. I and think that, so that, too. That that's why I mean people are like one of the, some of the crazy responses I got were like, Yeah, but by that point in the season, Mason Rudolph will be the quarterback. I'm like, you have no idea when this game will fall. Right. That's what I thought too. Because if it's true, I'll play, I'd be okay with them playing Ben Roethlisberger in week 17. That would be totally fine with me. But at the same time, I I don't think that that's, that is how it's going to work. And so then what do you get them game one? You know, you just never know. And, and then San Francisco gets to play Cincinnati, you know, in week 15, like it just, yeah, there's just too many question marks. But like Jeff said, we knew it was coming. There's no way it's not. And if you ask me, there's no way that an 18 game season isn't coming also. I think at that point, they'll probably have to give that second buy. But I read something, it was last year, maybe it was last year, I can't remember when it was, that said the NFL's plan is to play football till March. And I think this is how they get it done. Oh, wow. Yeah. More is not always better. I agree. No. I you know, I thought that way about like games during the week, like Monday night football used to really mean something. And, and I sound like an old man. I am an old man. No, like, I, I'm with you on this, Brian, hundred percent. Like it just, yeah. when it's just on all the time, I, I love football. So I don't like, I don't hate it, but you know, it just ends up being when, especially when it's on Saturday and Thursday and Monday and Sunday, like it's too much. It just, oh, I don't know. It's just Monday Night Football used to be really special. Not at all anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know anyone that has Monday Night Football parties anymore. Like, it's it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. And like the worst broadcast crew of all of them. And- well, that's true too. Is yeah. It- I, a couple other things. Uh, we'll, 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 head, we'll wrap up here. Um, we won't get into it tonight. There was some Quentin Dunbar news. Um, uh, somebody was very <laughs> eager for us all to know about it. Uh, that that Quentin basically DM'd everyone on the show. Um, that Quentin Dunbar's Instagram account was talking about that he has been having conversations with the Seahawks, and you know we'll we'll see if that turns into anything. Apparently, there's other teams pursuing him. Um, and then really the last thing I just have to I'm going to say this every week until it's an, either it happens or it's no longer an option. The idea of Richard Sherman and Jamal Adams on the same defense. It just makes me giddy. Oh and Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> They've opened up twelve million dollars this week. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that would be the, the best of the emergency pod. Has Gino Atkins signed anywhere? No, he's still out there. Interesting. Yeah, either yeah. is Gino Smith. Oh, the Seahawks don't have a backup quarterback on the roster, do they? I don't mm-hmm. think they do. They do not. They don't. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Magoo punched someone in the face. Oh, I saw that in a bar <laughs> fight. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Nathan's, Nathan's pet project. Most likely Nathan that he punched because oh, he did not leave him alone asking for an autograph. Jesus. Oh, Nathan might win that fight. <laughs> yeah, Nathan's a big dude. When I saw Nathan when I came out to visit you guys. Like, he looked like a left tackle. Like, I was surprised. Yeah, he's a big dude. He's a big Viking. Um, Hey, if you haven't already, please click the, the like button. Give the video a like uh, and uh, click subscribe and the little bell icon because 
as we've shown, um, Seahawks news comes at all times and all days and all nights uh, during the off season. And we've done a bunch of emergency pods. If you're subscribed and you're clicking the bell, you get notified. So, you know, as soon as we go live and uh, are ready for the show, um, go over to patreon.com slash Hawk blogger, sign up there. We've been getting a bunch of signups. Uh, still do not have new information about when the Ben's fund uh, fundraiser will be this year, but we'll keep people informed. Now is a great time to join. And I will say I have done a test run of uh, this, this uh, application, this online application for how to do our happy hour with the patrons. And I think it's going to be a blast. Oh, we're doing that. Yes. I'm so excited about that. We're going to do it. Um, uh, I'm going to have to pay a little money for it to happen, but it's worth it. And uh, we will be all together virtually. And it's cool because we won't be all in the same video call at the same time. You can wander around and actually have separate conversations with people that you walk up to. There's bar games you can play. (laughs) Like it's a whole deal. It's a whole vibe. So it's fun. In fact, I've been doing it with my team at work. Um, We like, like work in the office virtually uh, together. It's, it's kind of cool. So what SaaS company had this idea? (laughs) I will will give them a plug because it's pretty cool. It's called gather.town. Okay. Wants to take a look. Uh, Cool little, cool little idea. Um, and we will be doing that with uh, patrons. So sign up. Um, we'll find out the right time to do it. And uh, looking forward to having people there. So until then, folks, uh, have a wonderful evening, wonderful rest of the week. And uh, Evan, thanks for coming back, dude. It was fun to have you tonight. Hope to see you soon. Enjoy your mental health uh, reprieve. We will destroy it soon enough. 